If you've ever rolled Perils of the Warp and have turned your Psyker into a suicide bomber, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Guys, welcome back to Command Point. My name's Ryan, and today I'm joined by Shane and Sean. Guys, hello. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. How about you? Good. Doing well, and, you know, I am already subscribed or else I'd be smashing that button, but we'll get to that later. (laughs) Yeah, so um, for uh, today's episode, we've got uh, basically just like two topics that we want to talk about. Um, First off, we've got the Sisters of Silence info came out. Um, So we're going to talk about them a little bit. Shane has gotten the chance to play like three games of using them today. And then um, we are going to be going over the top eight performing factions uh, at the Command Point Invitational. So, uh, Shane, do you want to just start us off and tell us what you've uh, what you've come to uh, expect out of Sisters of Silence? Yeah, so a lot of people... So, I mean, obviously the rules came out. Um, I, mean, I think Glass Half Dad or somebody made a video on this already, so I'm sure most people listening have already seeing the data sheets and the stat lines for them. But uh, yeah, I got the chance to actually play a few games. So uh, thanks to the wonderful nature of Tabletop Simulator, <clears throat> we live in a good time here. And uh, yeah, I got to play Sisters of Silence. And honestly, um, I mean, after three games, obviously that's not a lot, but I think comparatively, I think I have some grounds to you know talk about the faction because I, I don't think there's very many people that have played one game with the faction. So yeah, uh, I mean, basically they're they're extremely simplistic, and they're very kind of streamlined and, and easy to to set a team up for. There's obviously there's the three data sheets. Um, basically, you choose bolt gun, flamer, or melee, uh, and that's basically the extent of your choices there. But with the benefit of you know not being able to be the target of a psych, psychic uh, attack or anything like that. It gives them, uh, I think, a little bit of maneuverability and it makes them a little bit nicer for for a lot of matchups that I think are a bit troublesome in the current meta. Um, stuff like Grey Knights, Thousand Suns. Uh, from the look of it, I think they do pretty well against Demons too. Um, <clears throat> I mean, just generally speaking, they have the uh, they have a, they have some cheap tactics that you can use and. It's honestly, well, we were talking about it in the Discord a little bit today, and uh, Emmanuel over from Strategic Advantage was kind of talking about how it's a really good faction for like a beginner. Um, because, I mean, just kind of the nature of how, how it works and, and the choices that you have to make when list building. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty simple. And for my games playing them, I actually don't think they're that bad. I think there was some kind of negative impressions of them when the data was dropped. And I would have to say that, I mean, obviously I've only got three games on them. I managed to win the three games I played, and I played against some pretty good players that uh, are kind of hanging around our Discord a lot of the time looking for <clears throat> matches on Tabletop Simulator. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would say definitely worth looking into uh sisters of silence i don't know sean have you gotten the chance to look at these data sheets yet i know i mean ryan and i talked about it a little bit but yeah i have and you know that was kind of my my impression too is that you know not a ton of options which isn't always a bad thing you know if they're streamlined um 
and you're not going to be worrying about forgetting this and that ability or tactic that you have that could make or break a game. Um, you know, the the downside of that though is that they're kind of predictable. Um, but you know, when especially when you look at those tactics, you know, there are three data sheets, and then there's a tactic for each that is pretty decent. You know, it, for one, mm -hmm. I think each one gets one for one CP. You improve the 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 stats a bit uh, on that model, so it's pretty good. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> the thing that worked to me a little bit, honestly, was that it's like, okay, so here's a kill team where you need like, you know, what nine, somewhere between eight and ten models, something like that, probably. Yeah. And uh, you can only buy them in boxes of five, and it's like a forty-five dollar box. So. I they can have a ten-man box, but it's, so, uh, it's like eighty bucks. Yeah, and that was that was on the GW site. I don't think it's available in many other places right now. But I mean, I'm sure that that's just the nature of, you know, where we are right now with. Uh, things being closed and you know manufacturing being down but yeah but yeah i mean it's uh you know uh i've been maining gray knights so i'm kind of sad um <laughs> but that's all right you know we need to be knocked down a peg a little bit um <laughs> but no it's it's uh it's cool to have something in the meta that you know if you're gonna bring a psychic faction you might kind of <laughs> run into a team that's just gonna shut you off um and i think that will do a bit in terms of neutering not necessarily neutering psychic factions but fewer people will take them or if you get cocky and then you show up against it um and you, you never know it's going to show up if if the meta ever swings too far in the direction of psychic well we have a built-in um deterrent to that so it's always cool to have stuff like that in a game where the, the meta can correct itself if something gets out of hand. Yeah. One thing I specifically wanted to talk about with Sisters of Silence that I think is kind of like a broader topic in general, but um, so the prosecutor model is one of the three models that you can uh, you can take with them. And for, for those unaware, this is just a basic um, sister basically with a bolt gun. There's no like, there's no customization. It's just, you know, Ballistic skill three, weapon skill three, strength three, toughness three. Um, just just a model with a bolt gun. And two things I want to touch on for this. First of all, there's a tactic that they can use called, uh, and this was my favorite one over the games that I played, um, called Punishment Fire. And I'll just read this because I think this is a fantastic tactic for, for one CP. Uh, use this tactic when you choose a prosecutor model from your kill team to attack in the shooting phase. Until the end of the phase, change the type and range characteristic of the bolt gun that model is equipped with to Assault 3 and 18 inches respectively. And when making an attack with that model, it does not suffer any penalty to its hit rolls. So it's still like a strength 4, 0 AP, 1 damage weapon. But that tactic is so nice. And it's super clutch in a, in a lot of scenarios. Like I used it multiple times in my games today. You Especially if you put it on like a sniper specialist prosecutor then the you're basically getting three shots hitting on threes re-rolling ones um no matter how far away they are no matter how like obscured they are even if you have flesh wounds you're ignoring all those penalties and uh yeah i think that's just a fantastic tactic especially just for one cp and it kind of had me thinking about how i feel like this might sound a little bit weird but i think bolt guns are something in the meta that is a little bit underappreciated. Oh, stop. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Hear me <laughs> out here. And, and 
it was easier to realize this when playing a faction that literally like their main ranged option outside of a flamer is just a bolt gun. Um, I mean, think about a lot of the stuff that are, that is like in the meta right now. Um, like Osiriani, like toughness three, like four, usually five up saves. Um, like uh, playing against like an orc, like an evil sons list, those things are going to get shredded by bolt guns. You get one wound through and it's a six up save. And what happens when you take bolt guns is you are saving points for something that is basically not going to be performing that much worse than a plasma against some of these guys. And you're basically being able to put those points into other things on your roster, like a stronger melee unit or, you know, another Mm -hmm. bot maybe. Um, And I think that bolters are actually a solid option to, to like a solid, not counter so much, but a, but a good option for a lot of these factions that are strong in the meta. And the problem is people just don't want to put too many bolters in their like command roster in their 20 man roster. Um, which is a little bit of a shame because I think there's like potential there for like what's considered like the most bare bones lame thing that you can possibly run. Um, and I think the same goes for chain swords, like as especially coming from a demon player. Like if I see like, it's such a ridiculous like possibility, but like if I sit down and my opponent just brought a bunch of reavers <laughs> with just like combat knives, that's gonna like crush me, honestly. Uh-huh. Um, and I think it's it's kind of a similar thing. So that's my bolt gun tangent, and uh, I just think there's <laughs> something worth worth considering there. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll get into later with the top eight breakdown, but I think the spoiler alert is that um, you know five up invuls and feel no pains are really good. Um, so, you know, there, yeah, there's a lot of stuff running around like that right now that is kind of relying on having a decent amount of bodies on the board with, you know, they're going to get some save, whether it's high or not. Um, and you just kind of need to bury them under dice to make sure your, your attacks get through. So, and now those, uh, the bulk gun sisters are what, 10 points a piece. Yeah. Yeah. They're really cheap. Yeah. So. And then they have that obviously that added bonus where you can spend a CP and make it like a super precise assault three weapon. Yeah, and like the eighteen inch range, it, it sounds like a downgrade because I mean technically it is, but there is no long range penalty. Yeah, so no penalty for anything. Yeah, if you advanced if you have if they're in cover if they're long range if you have three flesh wounds it doesn't even matter. Yeah, pretty nice stuff. Uh, anyway, I, I remember being really impressed with the um, I can't find the data sheet right now, but the the close combat one. Um, that weapon was pretty sweet, yeah. especially considering you can just bring a ton of them, and then the tactic is even better. You're wounding most stuff on a two up, is it? Yeah, yeah, because it's strength five. Um, that weapon is really strong. I would say that's like the bread and butter for sisters. Uh, the what's nice about it is it's basically like, I mean, it's strength plus two which brings them to strength five, but it's AP minus three, D3 damage. Those types of weapons are usually, take, you're taking like a minus on the hit roll, like with a power fist or something like that. Um, obviously it doesn't have like the strength benefit, but I mean, you're hitting on threes. There's no, there's no penalty. Um, so you get one hit through and there's like a pretty decent chance that you're going to force an injury roll. How many flamers can you bring? Yeah, the standard Witch Seeker is 13 points. So you can bring... Nine flamers. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's kind of crazy. And they have that tactic. It is crazy. It's an assault six. Yeah. Yeah. D six. And yeah, it's still auto hitting. Saw... It doesn't say it's yeah. not auto hitting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that's that crazy. and I was like, oh wow. So I can finally just just roll a six automatically with a flamer. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's still, you know, it's still gonna be damage one. So it's the typical flamer problem of got to be in range and in the end of the day it's only yeah. you know, you're still flipping a coin for the injury roll but uh yeah, yeah against some teams i mean that's just what do you how do you come back from that you know if you're playing against a uh like a toughness three melee team or something like that then i don't know where you're going to be bringing the flamers against a lot of the time too so i mean the list that i was running today was really most of the time it was four swords uh four flamers and then the bolt gun leader um, although I had one game against a Tau player where I brought four bolt guns. No, it's definitely, and it's nice that they you can get so many bodies on there, and it's a three-up save. You know, <laughs> toughness three stinks, but, you know, um, you don't often see toughness three with a three-up save and at that price point. So, yeah, we'll be interested to see where it goes. I definitely uh, like that analysis, that it's good for beginners. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know we were discussing whether or not they'd be able to combine with um some other factions so you know that still remains to be seen i guess if the people who are sharing the data sheets you know it looks like they didn't usually there's like a page or two before the data sheets that have a little background about the team and maybe uh you know maybe there's something on there that we missed but if we look down at the faction keywords it doesn't say anything about um other teams so yeah, yeah so for now it's uh, just three just these three yeah, it doesn't look like you can play. It looks like they're their own faction, which is kind of a bummer. But from my experience so far, it looks like they'll be able to kind of compete in that uh, in that department just on their own as a as a standalone faction. Yeah. yeah. So basically, in the Brandon and uh, Sean, you placed in that eighth seventh slot. I did. Uh, and that's uh, Brandon ran Tau, and Sean, you obviously ran Green Knights. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, we had uh, in the, what is it, sixth and fifth slot now, um, we had Ryan and also Ray, Ray J, who ran Adamac, and Ryan, you ran your Astartes. Yep. Um, at fourth, we had Luz, who ran his Drakari. Uh, and now we are in the top three, which is uh, the Loser's Bracket Final, which has yet to be played. Um, is Kingmaker and Alex Renarek, who uh, Kingmaker Necrons and Alex bringing his Asriani. And then waiting right now in grand finals for the winner of that game is uh, Matt Howell, who also brought Necrons. Let's start off with uh, Brandon's Tau list. So Brandon was one of the two Tau players at the at the CPI, and he managed to uh, crack into that top eight spot. So, I mean, first of all, it's interesting that, I mean, a lot of people were kind of discounting Tau before or rather after LVO, because there wasn't really any big tower performance at all there. Um, but the two tower players who made it uh, both made top 12 with Brandon here making the top eight. So uh, I definitely think that there's uh, basically like not too good of an argument to say at this point that that tower like this low tier LVO faction. Um, and I think that should be obvious to anyone that, you know, I think has paid attention to tower over the past year. Yeah, I agree with that. Going through his roster here, he took uh, the Sasea sub-faction. Yeah, re-rolling all ones from shooting. 
and plus okay. leadership, I believe. Yes. So yeah, uh, the other Tau player at the tournament, Wardy, uh, brought uh, the Tau Tau sect. Yeah. The five and six on an Overwatch. I think Sasea is kind of the more standard competitive one that we've seen uh, more often than not. I believe the guy that won Nova last year ran this sub faction. Um, and honestly, his uh, Brandon's list or roster rather isn't. I mean, there's only so much you can do with Tau. Uh, is there anything that specific? I mean, he's got the three stealth suits on here. Just he kind of has like the core of any like good Tau list, which is your Pathfinder, your Pathfinder leader, and your three Pathfinder gunners. Each of them is a comms, a demo, and a sniper spec, and they all have got the rail rifle. So that's a great core to the list. Um, and then he's got what looks like uh, four or five. Yeah, he's got five gun drones, a recon drone, and then five shield drones, it looks like. Um, no crude on the list, which is a shame. But, oh, uh, but you know, it's a competitive list, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess on the other side, um, the other eighth slash seventh slot, uh, Sean is your Grey Knights. So, Sean, I mean, I think I think it's best that you touch on this because I'm sure you have a better understanding of it than we do. Um, I mean, are we allowed to swear in this podcast? Because <laughs> no, <Yeah>. so <laughs> no, that I mean, you guys saw my my last game was was not much of a game. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good tournament. I, you know, I'm happy with how I did getting to top eight. I, you know, didn't expect to make it that far. Um, but yeah. Greatness did what I wanted them to do. Uh, they were active in all th uh, three possible attacking phases of the game. Um, you know, I got to play around a lot with positioning myself so that um, having every model on the board being able to shoot a cybolt, you know, kind of making it so even if they tried to screen me out, I would just pick somebody else. So always making sure that I had, I would end up with two models in places where I, I felt like I had a good cybolt target. Um, I made the bold claim on, I think this podcast, the last time I was on it, that the Grey Knights are one of the best deep strike factions because we can appear off, we can appear randomly on the board. And then the very next thing that happens in the game is us making a cybolt attack. So, um, it's really hard to, to screen us out if we can just appear somewhere where you didn't expect us to, um, and, and choose who the closest model is with that model. So, well, just to jump right into my top eight game. Um, firstly, for anybody who didn't see the Salt channel after that, um, I got utterly demolished. I So I brought a list of one Terminator and four regular guys against Admech. Um, this was a matchup I was not, I'd never played before, was uh, Grey Knight against Asset or uh, Plasma Span. And... I, I spent the couple days leading up to this game, like just racking my brain, like how do I beat plasma spam? Uh, and I decided what I was going to try to do is uh, get in his face and try to kind of take out take out the plasma guns during the psychic phase, especially uh, like turn one dropping them in. So I decided on the Terminator um, just to maximize the number of uh, opportunities I would have to make sure that the first psychic phase of the game, I would get to take out a plasma gun, uh, which I did. But then that Terminator was immediately blown up by another plasma gun. He, he actually did a really good job at screening me out. There was only like one place on the board where I could go. 
to uh to have a plasma gun be the closest model. So he uh he melted me after that and melted another guy with the other plasma gun that was remaining and then got two like honestly lucky shots with like random cheapo guys that needed to roll like fives and sixes and I needed to fail three up saves and he <laughs> needed to make injury rolls and he did twice. So he um I had no models on the board at the end of turn one. And then I brought in my last guy from reserve in round two. And it was, it, uh, there's no reason to play it out, but I did. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that didn't go well. So yeah, I got to kind of display what Terminators, you know, in theory should be good at. Because uh, in our Grey Knights episode, we talked about how when you bring a Terminator, you're losing the opportunity for two guys because two regular guys cost the same as one Terminator. And uh, for that, you get a five-up invul and you get a deep strike opportunity, and it didn't really pay off because, um, as I said in that episode, Terminators die just as easily to plasma guns as regular Space Marines do. Um, so, so yeah, so Ray, Ray truly, truly crushed me there. Uh, it was, it was sad, and I applaud the audience who decide to stick around and watch the, <laughs> watch the whole thing play out um but yeah no i mean psychic is it's still good uh at psychic things you know uh we had a pretty decent representation of thousand suns we had uh there's one other great knights player and there were what three thousand suns teams four thousand there was four thousand suns and you were four thousand suns and wow and one great okay um so yeah and it was you know they're good at killing things before they get shot at um but you know you pay for that in numbers and uh, i think my my two losses were a testament of what what happens there when you can only bring a max of six models and sometimes only five yeah so. uh you did have a really good game with the terminator against uh emmanuel and his sisters um yeah. the three incinerator <laughs> list that was a that was a fun one to watch oh yeah 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 and like i i thought it was going to be kind of a meme um because i saw that i was playing emmanuel and i was like i i really don't see myself winning this game i don't know there i could either do the three terminator list for fun um or i could do three flamers which is still kind of a meme but might actually be good so that list was two two combat guys and then two gunners with incinerators and one terminator with incinerator so uh incinerators being strength six ap minus one um damage one against a list that was entirely toughness three and largely combat oriented uh ended up doing pretty well um you know definitely took a few guys out of action on the charge uh got some flush wounds on the charge and it was a really tight game but i was fortunate to come out on top in that one yeah uh that was that was a really good one i think i had more faith in you in that game than, than you did <laughs> the sound of it uh, <laughs> I uh, I gotta say though that game against Ray was was rough. I think I, no. I said in the chat during that game that it reminded me of uh, uh, Germany versus Brazil at the World Cup <laughs> in 2014. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. Yeah, that's that's, that's what brutal. it felt like. It just all kind of avalanched so quickly. Yeah. But that's the matchup. That's a rough one. No, and that was the other hilarious thing too. I I put two models in reserve, but only brought one of them in turn one. Because again, I wanted that uh, that outflank potential on turn two, so there'd be another psychic phase of him needing to guess where I was going to come in from. And uh, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, it didn't really matter at that point. 
Yeah, I'm still uh, still gonna. I'm not gonna melt all my Grey Knight models. You know, <laughs> you know, I am. I am staring at a squad of ple- of Grey Orcs and Grey Asfiriani that I might uh, paint up and play with before I do any more of my Grey Knights. But yeah, you know, I definitely recommend uh, people picking them up and trying them out. If nothing else, they they can understand them because they they do a lot of really powerful things. Yeah. So moving on um, to the uh, sixth, fifth slots, uh, Ryan. Let's start with you. You uh, you brought your Astartes and you fell into that yeah. slot, that top six area. So why don't you talk to us about that roster that you brought? All right. So the roster I brought was um, there were two sub factions in this list. I've I've talked about this before, um, so probably not going to spend that much time on it. Just salamanders and white scars. Um, the White Scars list consists of uh, essentially three Vanguard vets, a Combat, a Veteran, and a, um, a Zealot. They've all got Jump Packs, they've all got Storm Shields, and then they either have um, a Relic Blade, a Thunder Hammer, a Power Fist, or a Lightning Claw. Um, and then the leader was always an Intercessor, just with a Chainsword, and then there were either... Um, two intercessors with auto bolt rifles or um, two scouts just with bolt rifles. Um, so not really going to talk about salamanders at all. Uh, that list I brought was just to counter psychers and I never faced any of the four thousand suns or uh, Sean's gray knights in this tournament. Um what would you what would you guys want to know about the what about these uh white scars list here? Um what are the odds of you passing your oh, invul saves compared to the odds of somebody else passing the invul saves? <laughs> um the odds of me passing the invul saves, um I rolled I rolled very bad in very key moments. Basically what was happening was I was I was getting my storm shield saves pretty decently. Um, the The thing is, you don't have to make those storm shield saves if you have three CP for death denied. So yeah. that, like, death deny is the whole key to this list. Basically, turn one, all you're trying to do is move all your vanguard vets in position to make a turn two charge and keeping them out of line of sight from being um, shot by plasma guns or just any sort of strong ranged weapon. Um, Just keeping them out of range, making sure they don't get charged. Um, If they do get charged, making sure that it's like a a model that's not going to have that high a probability of killing your Vanguard vet with the storm shield. Um, and you just don't spend any CP, and by turn two, you're going to have four CP or three CP if you, like, use one CP to make a... to re-roll one of those invuln saves uh, into another one after you had just rolled it into a one. And then you're... Yeah. Um, so that's basically... I, I mean, I'm pretty proud with how this list performed. Like, I got double-digit points every single game I played. Um, and both of the games that I lost, it was still really close. Um, the one thing that I probably would have done differently in the, 
I don't think I would have changed anything about my matchup against Kingmaker and his Necrons. Oh, no, that's not true. Actually, I would have brought in a Power Fist instead of a Lightning Claw. Um, the thing that I would have changed against going against Luz Drakari was um, I was initially planning on taking a bunch of Killy uh, secondary objectives, so cut apart, uh, not high-profile targets, uh, Relic Hunters, and then the third one I think was just like Recon Sweep or something like that. Um, and had I taken those, I, I probably would have run that. I probably would have won that game. And I'm kind of disappointed in myself that I didn't, because when I was making this list, what was forefront in my mind was, okay, how am I going to counter a toughness three list? So like Imperial Guard, Admech, um, Drakari and Asriani. And the list I had thought up was, Combat Vanguard Vet has a Storm Shield, Lightning Claw, Jump Pack. Same thing for the Zealot. So they're going to be hitting on threes, and they're going to be wounding on threes, and you're going to be re-rolling those wound rolls. And then if they don't kill that model, and the model falls back from them because you're White Scars, you'll be able to just charge right back into them. So you'll be able to nullify any sort of shooting because you're always going to be inside close combat and your chances of getting a model to an injury table are pretty high when you're when you're running those guys against toughness three and then the vanguard he had a relic blade so that um uh, like the relic blade it's just a great weapon it's like the most economical uh uh space marine melee weapon i think in the entire faction right uh, i have one thing yeah. i wanted to say um yeah how would you feel about potentially uh, taking the tactic, honor the chapter, and throwing it right in the garbage can? <laughs> yeah. The more I think about it, um, honor the chapter is um, it's, ni- it's nice to have if you have 5 CP. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because it costs, two P- it costs 2 CP in and of itself, and you want those 3 CP to get uh, death deny for the next turn. The issue that I was having was I would do I would use honor the chapter in a position where I thought that I would be able to get a kill and the power fist would just whiff or whatever. I think I used it twice. And so what happened was because it's so expensive, it costs two CP. That was just taking CP from my death deny budget and just throwing it right out the window. So honestly, there was no reason for me to ever use honor the chapter. Because what would happen is next turn, if a model falls back out of combat from one of my models, I'm White Scars. So I'm just going to charge into them again. And it's not like they can get away from me because I have jump packs. I'm ignoring vertical terrain, vertical distance, any sort of models in front of me. If they're, if they're like getting behind models, trying to body block me, whatever. So with that list, like Honor the Chapter, it's a nice luxury just because you get a model to uh, fight twice. Um, but ultimately not necessary, and I should have just been saving all my CP for Death and I. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's the way for uh, for Adeptus Astartes. Um, there's a couple other factions that have honored the chapter that I think can use it a bit more freely because they don't have such like a huge 3 CP tactic that they need to kind of rely on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for Astartes, yeah, I mean... Yeah. Death the night is too good. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Honor the Chapter is good, 
um, for some of the Space Marines, some factions, maybe like Space Wolves and um, Blood Angels, I want to say, just because those are both like really melee intensive sub factions um, and they don't have that White Scars benefit of being able to charge again. I guess we can move on and talk about uh, our other Rochester, you know, our other New York guy who was in that top six area, uh, which is Ray. And his uh, his admec list, which we talked a little bit about it with the game against Sean. But um, do you guys have it pulled up right now? I'm I'm looking at the uh, at the roster. Yeah. So honestly, it's a pretty kind of solid what you'd come to expect um, kind of standard admec uh, roster, with probably one exception. I mean, first of all, he took, <laughs> uh, and he took the he took a lot of the. Skatari. He actually didn't take a lot of priests. He had he had a. I see one priest on here. He had a couple specialists. Yeah, he had like three priests on the whole roster, um, and they were all Fulgurites, I believe, um, which I don't think is that weird. But uh, UR twenty five is kind of the standout that I was <laughs> getting. Yes. So um, first of all, props to Ray for making top six. Uh, I mean, we know because we go to the local game store with him. Uh, Ray hasn't been playing Kill Team for that long. Um, he, he's probably been playing for like five or six months now, something yeah. like that. Um, and I mean, we've—I I, for me, I've seen him like improve like really drastically over the last couple months. And uh, I mean, it was really cool to see him do well in this tournament. Um, but yeah, do we want to talk about UR25, or do you guys have any other thoughts on that? <laughs> I mean, I'm down just to start with UR25. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. What an absolute Chad bot. Um, <laughs> so what was the what was the game that he played where it was like UR25? It, it was like the only game that he ever Thousand brought this Suns, guy in. Yeah, it was it was against Thousand Sons. And he just UR25 just like plug walked up onto the middle objective and he was just there the whole game, just, just me, regenerating bro. wounds yeah. and just eating all the cybolts. Yeah, that's he actually he took a pivotal point, the the basically the domination secondary. He walked to R twenty five right in the middle of the map. He sat him there with his heavy bolter and his three wounds and his three up save, regenerating a wound every turn, and he just basically soaked up cybolts. Um, I mean, kind of a brilliant use of the of the model. Yeah. <laughs> Like I mean, we were talking with him about it leading up to this game, and we were like, "Yeah, that would be a cool meme." And then we were like, "Oh wait, it regenerates wounds, and it starts with three wounds." Yeah, yeah this isn't a meme. This is a real thing. Yeah, I mean, months ago, it was like before everything. Obviously, when we were still going to the store, I um, I remember I came in and I was like, "Hey Ray, have you uh, have you run UR twenty five before?" And he kind of <laughs> laughed about it, and then he started looking at the thing, and he's like, "Oh, you know what? I kind of like this." <laughs> uh, never did I think you would actually bring it in a real game, the tournament, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was like, it was huge for that one game. And then it even kind of mind game to you, Sean, because you thought he was going to bring you R25. I did. Yeah. And then he didn't do it. So. Yeah. No, I brought a, I brought a thunder hammer because uh, I wanted to one shot a, uh, I wanted to one shot him. Uh, and then he wasn't there, but Yeah. <laughs> Even when he's not on the on the board, he has presence. <laughs> um, yeah, though I, that was absolutely hilarious. It was the standout of his of his roster. Outside of that, I mean, there wasn't anything too 
crazy on his roster. He ran Metallica. He had the plasma spam and the Omni Specs um, pairing. Um, yeah, I mean, the raw stalkers were pretty huge for him. He would generally position them super aggressively turn one and uh, kind of just throw them out there for the enemy to, to shoot at. And then they would always, his a lot of his opponents would kind of fall into that because it's a little bit of a trap having the uh, having those infiltrators out there because they're really big, juicy targets and they look easy to kill. Um, but the second you go out in a position where you can shoot them, you're entering a firefight with Admech. And you're always going to lose a firefight with Admech. Um, those calibers yeah. are going to blow you up as soon as they see you. He was really brilliant with those because the infiltrators have two wounds. So against Cybolts, they were eating one up. He put them right out in front to uh, to screen the Cybolts you know, as best he could. Um, but the other thing too is like they have the bigger bases, so he just like put them in the middle of a lane, whereas basically like if you want to charge my plasma guns, you have to go through the infiltrator first because I could not fit around it to charge the plasma guns. Not that I live to the second movement phase, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean he uh, he comes from big 40k where where he plays Admech, which is how he got into them for kill team, and um, yeah, so he brings over a lot of knowledge of of mini wargaming. Um, and it was, it was really great. Yeah. So um, kudos to him. Um, anything else you guys want to say about Ray's roster? Um, he was the only Admac player. There's that. Yeah. No, it shows the the diversity that you can find within the Admac kill team, and like it does plasma spam so well, but that's not all it does. Um, so it's it's really cool. You can see a lot yeah. of different combinations of models hitting the board any given game with them. Yeah, the Rustalker Princeps, I've been messing around with Admex since uh, last night, and I picked up a box of uh, Infiltrators just because this, like, those models are so cool. But the Rustalker Princeps model with the Cord Claw and the Transonic Blades, it's pretty interesting the amount of, like, mortal wound potential that mm -hmm. Admex can bring. And, like, that doesn't apply just to this model. They've got a handful of models that um it's like on a wound roll of six up they just inflict a mortal wound yeah so the rust stalker princeps so he made his a combat spec so it was getting uh five attacks and it had the cord claw and the transonic blades the cord claw you can only make one attack with it but uh each time you make a wound roll of six up with the weapon this the target suffers d3 mortal wounds instead of normal damage and then its normal stats is it's a melee weapon, uh, strength four, AP zero, D three damage. So like still pretty good by itself, but there's there's that. And then with the other four attacks, he's using the transonic blades. So this is strength plus one, so going up to strength five. And then each time again you roll a wound roll of six up with the weapon, the target suffers a mortal wound instead of the normal damage. So that's a lot of a, that's a lot of attacks with the potential to just inflict a mortal wound coming at you out of one model for only like sixteen points, I think. Yeah, just a just a cool model. Yeah, uh, Admech is crazy, and with the canicles, I mean, there was a couple games this tournament where Ray just forgot to use his canical turn one. He forgot his. I think it was his game against maybe even Glass Half Dead, um, where he forgot his canical and then rolled it turn one. Got um benediction so he's re-rolling hit rolls of one and then since he didn't pick it round one he just picked it around two so yeah. he got two times in a row 
He did that with me. Oh, was it with you? Oh, okay. Well, he, he definitely rolled it turn one. Um, he didn't really have to pick it turn two, but he, he rolled it anyway. I was like, you're kidding me. Okay, here we go. Uh, that must have happened yeah. twice then. Um, anyway, um, I guess I don't think there's much more to say about uh, Ray's Admac, but we can move on to uh, Luz, who placed fourth this tournament, who came really, really close to, to making the Oh, man. Yeah. His game against... Literally one point. Yeah, that was an absolutely insane game. Like one or two decisions in the last round could have swung it. Um, I thought he was going to win up until the scoring came down. Um, let me look at his, his roster because he had two sub-factions on the roster, which I thought yeah. was pretty interesting. So he had the the Prophets of Flesh, yep. one of his uh, sub-factions, which is basically the Rack Spam um, he didn't really spam racks. He more spammed yeah. breaks, if anything. But he had the option to take the rack spam, which was basically uh, all those racks get a four up in Vuln. They're really hard to take off the board. They're toughness four. They get the six up feel no pain. Um, those guys are durable. They're really good. And he also had the option to take a grotesque, although I don't know if he ever did. But his other um, sub-faction that he took was uh, Cabal of the Flayed Skull. Which is basically Ryan. He ran this against you, but he um, yeah those gunners, those Cabalite gunners, which are those guns are crazy strong. There's like a 36 inch like melta gun. <laughs> yeah. Um. Fortunately, I don't think those were the guns that uh, killed my guys. Yeah. Uh, it was just the mandrakes, but we'll talk about those guys in a bit. So uh, Cabal the Flayed Skull. Um. It just ignores the um penalty to the target being obscured. So that minus one from a guy sitting behind a crate that you're shooting at, that goes away, and you're just hitting on a three-up with your 36-inch freaking Melt-A-Gun <laughs> or Dark Lance. Yeah, I think it's a Dark Lance. Yeah. Uh, he ran a... But yeah, the um, his of his roster really was he would either bring those Cabalite Gunners and Mandrakes, or he would bring the Racks with mandrakes but the main kind of like meat of his list both in both instances would be those mandrakes yeah he had um seven mandrakes in total including the uh the night fiend leader um and what he would do with them these guys are fantastic flex models because um they benefit from power from pain so every turn that goes by they're getting some new buff they have and they have an 18 inch assault weapon. I think it's like strength four. Um, I think they're like ballistic skill four or five. Um, no, sorry, not four or five. Uh, three or four. I think there's um, three. And then, three. Yeah, I think okay. so. And then they have. Um, oh, the uh, steel blade. Yeah, yeah the glimmer right steel now. blade. Yeah, so AP minus one. And they have three attacks base too. Yeah, pretty nice weapon skill three. Um, and when you get into that third round, you're hitting on twos. You basically get the space wolf sub faction for free. Um, yeah. And uh, also, I don't. Did you mention the mortal wounds on the bell blast for the mandrake? Uh, each time you make a wound roll of six up for this weapon, the target suffers a mortal wound in addition to any other damage. Yeah. So that's yeah. just every time they're shooting at you, you just might take a mortal wound it's it's just crazy and then on top of all this when you're shooting at them or even hitting them in close combat you're taking a minus one just because they're mandrakes yeah yeah so they have a five up invul invul built in um 
And then the six up feel no pain. And then the six up feel no pain. Yeah. Um, They're great flex models. Um, They do have a deep strike tactic for one CP. I think you can drop in three of them anywhere on the board as long as it's outside of five inches from the closest from uh, from any enemy model. Um, What he was doing typically was he would take reconnaissance. So that's the secondary where you need um, two models with or any model um, within an inch of two board edges. And so what he would do was he would put only one of those guys in reserve and he would um, just deep strike him in somewhere or he would bring him in into his own deployment zone if he didn't have a better spot to drop him. Um, and then the rest of the Mandrakes, they have an eight inch movement and they've got assault weapons. So he was just he was just advancing most of these guys, getting that board control, establishing that board presence, setting up uh, potential turn two charges. Um yeah, those mandrakes are twelve points each. You know, they're really good. And then you have that Claybex Zealot, which is the other guy that would pretty much make every list for sixteen points. I mean, the, the he's basically getting four attacks base and then an extra one if he charges. Um, at strength five, AP minus three is it one damage? But on a wound roll of six, it becomes I think three damage or something like that. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's another strong one. I mean, we saw that Clavex kill Alex Rutnerax, Helling Banshee, Exarch, turn one um, in their game against each other. So, yeah, um, this this list specifically the um, the amount of Mandrakes that he was taking, um, it's a super resilient and flexible list um, with great movement. Um, so. Another one of the secondaries that he was taking a lot of the time was, um, what was it, Steadfast? He would take Steadfast, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he would take Steadfast and... I think Relic Hunters was another one. Yes, yeah. So the thing with the thing with Relic Hunters is, like, you kill the model, like, as long as you can get one of your models within an inch of... Uh, of the marker of the uh, relic token or whatever at some point in the game, you're going to get that objective scored. Um, so he doesn't really have to worry about um, like getting a model exactly onto that, onto that token, the exact turn that he kills it. Um, and with the eight inch movement, like he can have guys pretty far away and still be able to reliably make it and score that point whenever he dictates. Um, And then with steadfast, even if your opponent, uh, even if like any of his opponents were able to get their models onto the steadfast point that he's trying to hold to score those three points at the end of the game, he would typically have enough models still alive um, and close by enough that they could just swarm onto that objective. And there's no way you're not going to get it. Um, the only instance that I saw of that not happening was um, in his game against uh, Alex Rittner Eric and his Asriani. And that was just because of the, the deployment, that weird, was it like uh, map five yeah. or like, uh, yeah, mission five map A or whatever that deployment is. Honestly, I mean, the nice thing about Relic Hunters in general is like compared to something like Hipshot or Cut Apart, uh, say you 
are kind of like rolling a little bit poorly for two rounds of the game. And then like you have like a really strong third round and you get like four melee kills in that one round, but you didn't get any in the first two. Um, that's that right there is one cut apart point. But for relic hunters, if you get, you know, if you get three kills in like the first or second round all in once, um, you can collect those points the next three rounds. Yeah. Even if, even if you're not rolling well to get the kills uh, in other, in other situations for the rest of the game, Mm -hmm. um, it's just a really like super rewarding, especially for high mobility teams like Drakari. It can just be so easy to get. So, yeah. Oh yeah. And then, um, I mentioned they already have the Mandrakes. They have that eight-inch movement. Uh, turn two from the power from pain. They're re-rolling their advances and their charges. Yeah. So, yeah, this is an already mobile faction that by turn two becomes an extremely mobile faction. Yeah, it power from pain is so awesome. <laughs> like it, I, it awesome makes me want to. Uh... It makes me want to grab. Jukari. like yeah, that's why I have a box of managers so on the shelf. Good. So good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, every return they just get a new sub faction. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Uh, yeah, and like their one sub faction allows them. You basically start a turn ahead. Um, that's right. So it's, oh man, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. So. Anything else to say about Drakari? Anyway, uh, I guess let's let's move on to the to the top three. Uh, we'll talk about the two in the uh, losers bracket finals right now, which is Alex Retnerak and Kingmaker. So let's start with Kingmaker, so that way we don't have to do two Necrons in a row. Um, oh yeah, smart. So Kingmaker, um, <laughs> this is a really interesting one uh, to be honest. Uh, first of all, this guy was. Kind of like we 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 mentioned that Ray was like relatively new to kill team. He's only been playing for like five or six months. Uh, Kingmaker in the top three of the entire tournament right now. It started playing kill team with this tournament. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just kind of like unprecedented. I don't even understand how this is even possible. Um, but he he is clearly um, he's catching on pretty quickly. <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, yeah, so I I got to play him, and uh, he gave me my first loss of the tournament, and he. That's all three of us, by the way. He oh, weird. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, not nah, I mean, he played really tight. Um, he, at the end of the game, he was like, "So yeah, I'm really new. Um, do you have any tips for me?" And I was like, "I don't know, man. He just beat me. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like you know, he plays really tight. Like he must have some." Uh, some other uh, miniature gaming experience because his positioning was good. He knew the role that each of his guys was going to play on, on the board. Um, and he didn't do, you know, what I catch myself doing and what I see other new players do all the time is, you know, just forgetting the little details of um, what abilities you have, what tactics are available to you. Um, and, you know, he, from that game i i was in a pretty decent position for for most of it and then you know we enter turn four and he had like five or six cp and i was like oh yeah yeah you know, that, i was about that's to just, say that yeah he he's forgetting to use his tactics like oh well but then he uses no he wasn't he wasn't all. forgetting he yeah. was stockpiling and he he just really demolished me in in turn four 
um, and and pulled it out. Uh, so yeah, he's he's gonna gonna keep doing well once he gets more experience on top of what he's doing here. Uh, and I'm sure what you're about, about to get to is part of the new player thing was he he didn't bring a roster. He brought a single 125 point list um, <laughs> and a very atypical list. But he he knew how he wanted to use each of those models. Um, I'm looking at right now. I guess I, I'll read it off since I'm talking about him. Uh, so his leader was was an immortal uh, with the Tesla. Um, he brought a death mark. That was a sniper. Um, a zealot, Warsythe, Lichgard, uh, combat, Warsythe, Lichgard, two warriors, and three flayed ones. You know, we've been seeing a lot of... Uh, I feel like feel no paintings are really big in the meta right now. Um, you know, people relying on even just that six up to give them enough survivability to to keep plugging along. You know, and he's has a list of nine guys that essentially have a better feel no pain because you're in that injury role and you know that's essentially what it is. It's a better feel no pain. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that survivability is there. Um, yeah, I mean my my game against him was uh, it was both of our first games of the tournament. And I ran my my snake bite knobs with the feel no pain, and uh, I mean I got some of them, but in in, in those situations, some, sometimes like a knob would live when it would have gone to an injury roll, but that happened maybe two or three times, um, and I probably procked reanimation protocols like five or six times that game against them. Um, that game's on our channel, so I mean you can go back and watch it. Uh, I was like really being conservative with my cp to try and save it for for the injury rolls because i expected to roll those sixes but even doing that it was uh it was it's hard it's really difficult to play against necron sometimes um yeah we're just so trained to to want these multi-damage weapons and then you run against necrons and you kind of like slam on the brakes and i don't know they really have to because like a two damage weapon is still not you, you can always try to re-roll out of that six um but i think i don't know i i know i psych myself out and i never want to bring anything that does more than one damage against him but yeah uh, i think i think two is the sweet spot with yeah. backgrounds yeah. two damage statistically you're, you're more likely to take him out of action but you're also more likely to proc reanimation but i think it it pans out favorably for if you're trying to get kills right. i mean if you're game plan going in is you want to get flesh wounds then one damage is the way to go because you're more likely to flesh wound um but that's really more suited if you have a lot more shooting and a lot more yeah you know you're you're rolling more dice so you're you're getting into situations where you're shooting at flesh wounded models anticipating it's going to be easier to kill um but if you're running like an elite list kind of like what i had um i mean i stacked up on big choppas for my knobs so those are all two damage weapons um, which is supposed to be the sweet spot, but man, it just didn't it didn't work mm -hmm. out. Um, and that's kind of like what I was talking about earlier with Cut Apart and Relic Hunters. Um, if I had taken Relic Hunters that game, it would have been really different, but I took Cut Apart, and I got like almost all my kills round three. And I got one Cut Apart point for that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, if I take Relic Hunters, then I can get another point on the next round. So, um, But he played well. I mean, he got better throughout the tournament. Um, he beat some really good players on the way here. I mean, he beat um, he beat the three of us. He beat Shane Watts, 
and then he uh, he he had a pretty unfortunate game against Matt Howell in the Necron mirror. But we'll get we'll get to Matt Howell's roster after uh, we talk about Alex's Osirgani, which I guess this is a good time to segue into that now. Yeah, we only got a couple yeah. left. So I don't know how different this is from his LVO roster, but um, he took both way. He was one of the two Osirgani players at the tournament. The other being. John Sao, who unfortunately had to had to drop. So Dire Avenger Exarch was his only leader. He never took yep. the coward leader, which I mean we're not too surprised by that, right? He had a few uh Dire Avengers on the list, but uh actually he only had two on top of the Exarch. Um he had quite a few uh he had four, he had this kind of the standard four uh storm guardian gunners on his list on the two flamers the two fusions depending on what the matchup was he could bring whichever combo of two he wanted um <clears throat> he had a few howling banshee exarchs uh basically just one zealot one a veteran um that model is scary <laughs> in in a lot of scenarios um and then he's got the uh, the striking scorpion with the uh, with the combat specialism, if I'm not mistaken, with that scorpion's claw. Yep, which is a really good weapon as well in its own right. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think the one difference from his LVO roster was he actually did take the wraith guard with the D scythe this time. Yeah, he took a wraith guard with a D scythe and then a wraith blade. Yeah, he's probably never going to run that wraith blade, but no, I, he. He brought those. He brought these models on the roster, but he never was going to run them just because he doesn't have like the reps in with them yet. Yeah. Um, that being said, I would not be surprised if he does bring the Wraith Guard in his game with Kingmaker. I mean, outside of that, he actually had three heavy opens platforms. He had the Star Cannon, the Bright Lance, and the uh, Scatter Laser. Sean, I think you have the most table time uh, with uh, Asriani. Um, this is kind of, I feel like this list is kind of like a, not like a carbon copy, but very close to what Michael T. Holy took in, uh, mm-hmm. one with, what do you, what do you think of it? Yeah. I actually like pretty much copied Michael T. Holy's in order to, to get started with them. Um, and the big differences I'm noting would be the three heavy weapon platform to have all the options. Um, so Maybe he was planning. I'm trying to remember which one actually does the moving. Um, so I don't know if he, he had a read on a matchup where he might want to be more portable with that. Um, and then he doesn't have as many Dire Avengers. And so I guess that's probably those slots, the uh, the dire, the one or two Dire Avengers turning into heavy weapons platforms. Um, but I mean, so much of the Asuriani, uh roster is kind of set. You really only have a few flex spots um, because a lot of it's kind of made for you. Those Exarchs are so good that you you definitely want one of each and you probably want multiples just for different specialisms, um, which is definitely some of the um, the roadblocks I run against in, in starting playing them is knowing which combinations to take and having overlapping specialisms that you need to make some tough choices. And there's just like... I would love to be able to have like 30 models on a roster for <laughs> for this faction because there's just so much you can do with them. 
he clearly, you know, it's funny that he says about not having the reps because um, with those models and that's what's going to make his decision because he knows what he's doing. Um, it's almost like he can, he can like see the, uh, the whole game play out as he's making his moves, watching uh, the early game against uh, Ray. Um, like there were no wasted moves and positions. Like you can tell he put a lot of thought into all those angles and firing lanes before that game started. Um, and then, you know, Ray had some dice problems, but you know, it, <laughs> it, that's how it goes. But um, yeah, yeah, there's a reason he has gotten where he's gotten in the past and where he is where he is now. He's he's solid. All right. So, I mean, is there anything else you guys want to say about his roster? I mean, there are a couple differences from Michael T. Holy. Um, Michael T. Holy took the heavy Wraith Guard, and this is something that I don't think um, Alex considered. Uh, the reason, I mean, he took that Wraith Guard. One of the big reasons for it was for you know big multi wound melee models. Um. And the thing about that weapon is it's D3 auto-hitting shots, but it's only one damage. So when Michael took the heavy, he would use that heavy specialism to guarantee two hits um, with the weapon. So if you're getting charged by a, a like a Lich Guard um, and you overwatch, there's a chance you could just get one on that overwatch. But Michael Tiholi took the heavy specialism to guarantee that he'd get two wounds through. And those wounds, those are wounding on twos, AP minus four. So it's going to an injury roll probably. As long as you can get two through, um, Alex doesn't have the heavy specialism on that wraith guard, and that could hurt him a little bit. Um, In that specific play, but I can see that. My guess is that's um, to give flexibility with uh, what models he can bring. Because as as I just mentioned, it's it's really easy to to overload the specialisms too much, and then you kind of lock yourself out of what combinations of guys you can bring. Yeah. Um, so this way, he can have his. Uh, his Exarch specialists and have the uh, the Wraith Guard in there. So, yeah, Alex mm-hmm. seems to have like a set group. Like he really is attached to the having those two Exarchs be the Zealot in combat, and then having the um, the Guardian Defender be a com spec for the uh, for the platform. And it's done well for him. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I guess one more roster to look at, and that's Matt Howell, who's right now sitting in Grand Finals, waiting for waiting for his opponent. So uh, Matt Howell uh, basically ran an, an all Novak uh, roster with his Necron list, or Necron team, rather. Um, we've seen a couple different approaches to Necrons on LVO. Um, we saw like what Glass Half Dead did with the half Mephret, half Novak roster. Um, obviously, we've seen Kingmaker's kind of weird 125-point list with the death mark. Um, but Matt Howell has what I think is an extremely efficient, kind of like almost optimal uh, Necron list. Um, and be, obviously it's Novak. And I mean, going back to like November, I was super high on that sub-faction. Um, just the ability to to have a flayed one charge in, re-roll all failed hits, and then re-roll all failed wounds. I mean, you you just what do you do against that? Even if you have a three up save, you're forcing so many saves. It's like it's just kind of like pointless at that point. Um, but yeah, he he doesn't have much shooting on the roster. Um, he's got like four Necron warriors, one of which can be a leader, and then he's got 
just a bunch of flayed ones and a handful of lich guards. And I don't think he has any immortals on the list. Obviously no Deathmark, but um, <laughs> what I've seen so far is he kind of takes the same list a lot of the time where he'll have two lich guards, um, I think two Necron warriors, and then just the rest of the list is flayed ones. And uh, it's it's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. with flayed ones, you know, with those rerolled rerolls, you know, if you're uh, if you're trying to just put flesh wounds on them, you know, fine, <laughs> negative one to hit, but then you get to reroll it, so it ends up being seventy five percent, right? If they're hitting on fours and rerolling, um, and there are three attacks, so um, yeah, just lots of dice, lots of rerolls. Um, you know, and the the two uh, two warriors, I'm assuming, is just sitting on back objectives, so um, so they can sit back there and claim a point and still do something. So. Yeah, right. it gives them a little bit of like multi, like kind of a dual threat thing where you can he does he's doing something in the shooting phase. Yeah, this list is very good, and I think it's for three reasons. First reason is it's Necron, so they have reanimation protocols. Yeah. Um, that honestly should not even have to be said. Uh, second reason is because of the efficiencies that um, all these close combat models have um, when paired with Novak. Like we mentioned earlier, the rerolling hit rolls, rerolling wound rolls in the case of the flayed ones. Um, and then the Lich Guard are fantastic close combat models as well um and then the third one is just the fact that it is so much easier to take a model out of action in the fight phase than it is in the shooting phase and because this entire roster is basically geared towards killing things in the fight phase um i don't want to say guilt like geared towards killing because like obviously he's taking some positional secondaries sometimes but um, it's it's just a great uh, it's just a great combat roster, and just because of that plain fact that it's easier to kill models in the fight phase than the shooting phase, it uh, it's just an all around great list. Yeah, um, one thing to note that I think is kind of interesting: uh, Matt Hollow is a player that before this is kind of known a little bit for Gene Stealer Cult. Um, and he would he would run his his kind of like pauper princes uh, gene cult list, which is very melee oriented. And there's no like mechanism for rerolling charges or anything. I mean, you for gene cult, you really need to have your positioning down to like perfection, turn one to set up those charges and to get yourself into those combat situations. So for him to move to from gene call, which he is probably one of the best gene call players there is. Um, to Necrons, which is another heavy melee team, but just way more forgiving. I'm not really surprised to see Mahal dominating so much. I mean, like it's you, like if you're good at Gene Slayer Cult in, in that kind of melee glass cannon play style, um, playing something like Necrons is, is probably going to, it's like taking off the training weights. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like taking off the weighted clothing in Dragon Ball Z. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he, he understands how to play the melee game. He he knows how to do it without having to rely on, you know, like 
like a sub faction that rerolls charges or, you know, like charge bonuses or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah, it's, it's not a total surprise because he picked up Necrons shortly before this tournament. Um, this is really his first like true foray into that faction. Um, and he's, he's doing awesome with it. He has yet to lose a game. Um, and he hasn't had the best matchups. I mean, I think he's had his first two games of the tournament were against Custodes, which is always a weird one. Uh, and he had to play Tao after that, and then Osiriani, and then he had a Necron mirror match. Like, ugh, what do you... <laughs> yeah, and uh, just looking at his at the scores that he was putting up, 19 points, 20 points, 21 points, 19 points. Like, he's consistently, like like high scoring with yeah. his games. And I feel like just getting to that magic number just kind of like seals it at that point. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. And the only game where he doesn't have a ton of points was the game against Kingmaker. And that's because that game ended turn two. Um, yeah. I mean, even against Alex Renarek, who is right. extremely tough. And even then, even then he got 12 points in two turns. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's very good. I like, it's like, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah sean any thoughts i mean you've played against i mean i have obviously i haven't whipped out the necron it's yours yeah yeah no i mean it's it's tough to kind of recalibrate how you're thinking about doing damage and just uh messing with the math and like <laughs> i don't want to attack you because you might lose your flesh wounds um yep <laughs> but it's a uh, it's a nice combo too with you know you have that damage output with all those dice being rolled and all those rerolls, but like flayed ones are what ten points each eleven yep ten yeah, ten ten points so like you can you're fielding a decent number of bodies and they have that built in survivability to them too, so yeah you're you're throwing a lot of dice but it's you're not relying just on killing um so it's uh yeah there are a lot of a lot of nice buffs there too, and then on top of that, you know, the those attacks and rerolls and the bodies, you know, Lich Guards, you know, war sides are just like insane, insane <laughs> weapons. So your your strength seven, AP minus four, two damage, but it's not like I assumed that would have the power claw, power fist, negative one to hit, but it doesn't. Yeah. Um and so, you're rerolling all the hits for Novak. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's tough. The um, are good. I mean, like yeah. you get in a situation like where you're you're fighting like a melee team, and you get charged, um, like your say your melee unit gets charged because you lose like that turn two initiative or something, um, like a lich guard or a flayed one or whatever charges, um, and you have two CP. Uh, in mo any other situation against any other faction, it's kind of a no brainer to decisive strike there, but against Necrons, it's like should I even bother? Because then if I get the six, it's like, it's all waste. Like you have to worry about that. Um, you have yeah, to yeah. worry about getting good rolls, um, and that's just—they're so forgiving. They're—they're just—they're very powerful. They're hard to play around. Um, yeah, it's—I think they're one of the best factions in in the game, like repeatedly. Um, yeah, the only thing that—the only thing that worries me about about this is you know not having much of a range game and with initiative being so fickle as it being as fickle as it is, you know. Just that risk of getting kind of shot off the board on your way to combat. Um, 
So and that's so reliant on what the deployment looks like, um, on what kind of list the opponent's bringing. And, you know, while clearly this is a really strong uh, close combat team, you know, for all we know, he's going to show up to the grand finals and get, like, wiped off the board turn two before really doing much in combat. And now <laughs> we go into another game and it's like, and everything's shaken up. Um, yeah. So. Huh. I mean, Matt Howell, he, he already played against Alex. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So beat him 19 to 10. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I think the story of the tournament so far is uh, Necrons are very good. <laughs> yeah. 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 If Alex yeah. wants to win the whole tournament, he's going to have to beat Necrons three times. Three times. Yeah. Yep. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon on another episode of the Command Point Podcast.